This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Shelby, you want to join in? We're going to start Mark chapter 1 today. We got uh, Shelby Gentry with us and Mary Gamboa. You can listen to her music at marygamboamusic.com or you can stream her music anywhere that you listen to uh, your music on the music apps. It's like where you get this podcast from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but before we dive into Mark chapter 1, we're going to get into an introduction, um, but Mary's going to pray for us. Because we desperately need it. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. So we ask you for wisdom. We ask you for revelation that we may know you better. Lord, that's our desire. As we dig into your word, cause it to to be changed from logos to rhema so that, that it's the living word that's implanted on the inside of us and that it bears fruit in the name of Jesus. So thank you for opening our eyes and causing them to be flooded with divine light um, so that we would know this word and be able to teach it to others, to be able to proclaim it to others, to be able to walk it out. We ask all this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. So 303 podcasts ago, I started with the book of John. And I've covered Matthew and I've covered Luke. So Mark is the fourth and final gospel that, um, that we'll have to cover. Um, but I went to uh, Chuck Swindoll's Insight for Living website to steal his um, introduction to the book of Mark because he writes it so much better than I ever could. And just as a way of introducing this book, I'm going to read what he says. He says, the Bible records more information about Mark than any other gospel writers aside from the apostle John. Luke mentioned Mark's name several times in the book of Acts. A budding Jerusalem church met in his mother's home. Uh, Mark also started the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, but went home early. And that would be some contention between Paul and Barnabas, mm-hmm. as they would later separate over that. Though he later traveled with Barnabas to Cyprus for more mission work. My question is, why do we not have some of Barnabas? I want to know what Barnabas had to say mm-hmm. about his missionary journeys. So why do we not have any Barnabas letters? That would be pretty cool. I guess it's conversation for when we get to heaven. <clears throat> so uh, he be- uh, Mark became significant in the life of Paul, being one of the last people the apostle mentioned in his final letter, 2 Timothy 4.11, so he got over his uh, little spill with Barnabas. However, Mark's most significant personal connection was the one he had with Peter, who was likely Mark's source for the material in the gospel. Mark's mother's house was a regular enough stop for Peter that the servants recognized him by voice alone, Acts 12, 12 through 14. That's when, I guess that's when Rhoda came to the door and didn't mm-hmm. open the door. Even though the whole church was there praying for his miraculous release, and then it happens, and then they leave him hanging outside. They didn't believe it. They thought it was his ghost. <laughs> Let me in. 
And it appears, now, I don't know where they get this from, but, but I, I actually, I listen to Chuck Swindoll all the time in my podcast every morning. And he actually mentioned this in a sermon a couple of podcasts ago. And I've never heard this before. But he says, it appears that Mark was present at Gethsemane when Jesus is pouring out his soul before God the Father, you know, asking for another way. He says, there was a young man watching the proceedings from a safe distance, Mark 14, 51 through 52, leading some scholars to believe that the Last Supper took place in Mark's home. And in that passage, it talks about a young man fleeing off naked. Mm-hmm. Chuck Swindoll says that was Mark, John Mark. So it's an interesting thought. Uh, where are we? Because, well, we're in your kitchen. But he says, where are we? <laughs> because Mark offered no further comment on Jesus' prophecy regarding the destruction of the temple, the, the, an event that occurred in AD 70, we can safely assume that Mark composed the gospel sometime before the tragic event. So the temple more than likely was still standing because nobody mentions it. Also, the gospel has a distinctly Roman feel to it, particularly when compared with the Jewish emphasis of the book of Matthew. Uh, Mark chose to leave aside most comments on fulfilled prophecy. And, and when he felt compelled to use an Aramaic term, he interpreted it, like Mark 3, 17. This suggests that Mark was in Rome, writing from Peter's recollection sometime before that apostle's death in AD 64 through 68, somewhere there, possibly composing the gospel between 57 AD and 59 AD. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? To get to sit down with Peter and have conversations about what happened. Why is Mark so important? Mark's gospel portrays Jesus as constantly on the move. Isn't that a, isn't that a song, on the move? On the move. What is that song? The forward motion in Mark's writing keeps the knowledgeable reader's mind continually looking ahead to the cross and the resurrection. 39 times Mark used the word immediately. 39 times he uses the word immediately. Giving a sense that Jesus' time on earth was short and that there was much to accomplish in his few years of ministry. Well, he, you think about it, his ministry was only three to three and a half years. Right. And, uh, and John says that he, there would be enough books to be able to be written that contain all the things that Jesus did. So he did a lot of stuff in three, mm-hmm. three years. What's the big idea? While uh, Matthew's gospel portrays Jesus as the king, Mark reveals him as God's servant. <clears throat> Jesus' work was always... For a larger purpose, a point clearly summarized in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark filled his gospel with the miracles of Jesus, illustrating again and again both the power and the compassion of the Son of God. In these passages, Mark revealed more than Jesus as the good teacher who offered people spiritual renewal. The book also portrays Jesus as the true God and the true man reaching into the lives of people and affecting physical and circumstantial change. So one thing that people need to understand is that Jesus was 100% God and he was 100% man, not 50-50. 100% God, 100% man. Uh, Mark's gospel, let's see. But Jesus' life was the agent of, as the agent of change wasn't without an ultimate purpose. Amid his hands-on ministry, Jesus constantly pointed to the defin- definitive way in which he would serve humanity his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead. It's only through faith in these works of Jesus Christ that human beings find eternal redemption for their whole, whole selves. Moreover, Jesus becomes our model for how to live our lives serving others as he did. Mark's gospel is a lot like John's gospel. He basically says, here's Jesus. Do what you will with him. 
And Mark's gospel was written with the Gentiles in mind. That's why I started with John's gospel. Because John says, here's Jesus. Do what you want to do with it. So Mark starts out with a prophecy. Um, and this is getting into my notes now. And getting off of Chuck Swindoll's introduction. But uh, Mark starts out with a prophecy from Isaiah that speaks about John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah the Jews had been expecting for hundreds of years. So if you would, would you read the first 13 verses? And we'll see that prophecy. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. Yummy. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Perfect. So... Before we get into the things that we were going to discuss, something I just thought about something. Because I, I, I've seen, you know how churches now, they want you to do classes if you want to join their church or whatever, they do these classes. Well, one of the bigger churches here in Maribel, I've read their, their book that they make you go through. You know, and, and it says, when it comes to baptism, we're baptized because Jesus set the example for us to be baptized. Mm-hmm. Totally disagree with that. I told you this, we're not baptized because Jesus was baptized. And here's why I say that. Um, what, did, what, what did Mark say John's message was when he was out, out in the wilderness? Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Also, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. So why was John out there baptizing people? To prepare the way. To prepare the way. But his, his message was a message of repentance. repentance. Mm-hmm. Did Jesus have anything to repent of? No. He, he never sinned. He became sin when he hung up on the cross. Right. Isn't that Peter that tells us that? In first or second Peter talks about him being sin right. when he hung up on the curse. But Jesus was, he came to John to be baptized not for repentance of sins. But to fulfill all righteousness. And I believe that's what Matthew's gospel tells us that. Mm-hmm. It was basically to kick off his ministry. Jesus is saying, this is the right thing to do. And he, and I believe it's Matthew that also says that he was 30 years old. Maybe Luke. 
it says Jesus was 30 years old when he was baptized mm -hmm. by John the Baptist. But he was not baptized for the remission of sins. We are. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41. When the pe when Peter preached that message on the day. Yeah. Be baptized. Repent, yeah. Be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will receive the forgiveness of your sins. And the, you'll receive the Holy Spirit that's promising you to your uh, children, those, all those that are far off. We are, we're, we're sinners. Romans 3, 23. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus knew no sin. So we're not baptized for the same reason. You know, Jesus was not our example when it comes to baptism. We're not baptized because Jesus was baptized. His baptism was totally different. We're baptized for the remission of our sins. We're baptized to show people uh, of this inward change that has taken place. Right, it's our identification with his death, burial, yes. and resurrection. Romans 6. The old man has passed away, the new man comes up out of the water, a new creation in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, and we start our walk with Jesus from there. So, Change your verbiage. <laughs> if you say that we should be baptized because Jesus was baptized, stop saying that. We're... But in, in the Hebrew culture, I understand that there were lots of reasons for baptisms. So a mikvah, mikvah or a yeah. bat baptism could be for lots of different reasons, not just for repentance, not just in, in what you're saying kind of indicates that Jesus was baptized more for a consecration, right? Hey, this is to mark the beginning. Like often, the priests were uh, anointed with oil, right? right? Just to say they're set aside for this this purpose. This launches them into their ministry. Um, so maybe Jesus's baptism was more for that purpose than it was for, like you said, it wasn't for the remission of sins. Yeah, and, and we'll see what happens. We're going to get to that uh, later on before the podcast ends, but. Uh, we'll, we'll dig into Jesus' baptism and what happened at Jesus' baptism. Mm -hmm. Because it's something that fathers, especially fathers, but parents, fathers and mothers, their children need something specifically from them, which is affirmation. And we'll get into that when, when we get into Jesus' baptism. Because, you know, Mark says the, the heavens just split open and the voice comes down. You know, the Holy Spirit comes down, the voice comes out of heaven, and God affirms. That you, know, you are my son. Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So, uh, just from the first 13 verses, uh, now there's four things that popped out since I threw that one in on you. Curveball. Squirrel. But um, the first thing that I would like for us to discuss is this. God will use anybody to accomplish his will. We are releasing the sound. I want you to do me a favor. Now, I know you listen to some good music, but I want to tell you about some great music. My friend Mary Gamboa, and she's also the worship leader at Authentic Church where I worship, she has released a new album entitled Jealous, and you can check that album out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary, G-A-M-B-O-A, music.com. Also, we would love to have you worship with us at Authentic Church at 322 Lindsay Street here in Alcoa, and we start at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Come see us. God will use anybody to accomplish His will because if you think about it, people, especially in churches, churches are guilty of this. Is where most churches nowadays won't let you preach or anything unless you have a degree. You have, you have to have that degree, or they they think you don't know what you're doing. 
-hmm. or you're not qualified or whatever. So you got that aspect of it, but then on a person's side of it, kind of like uh, Moses, you know, when God called Moses from the burning bush and said, hey, I want you to leave my people out. Well, why did Moses start doing it? Made excuses for made, why yeah. I can't. Yeah. Made disqualified. Excuse. Yeah. He started disqualifying himself. God's already qualified. And God says, you're, you're, I've I've appointed you, you yeah, I've this. appointed you, I've chosen you to do this. You're going to lead my people out of this Egyptian bondage. And it's, it's like, well, I stutter, you know, I, I, you know, what am I supposed to tell the people when they send me, you know, or who sent me? And, and you know, God says, I am who I am. But that, that's what we start doing when, um, when we start to follow God and, and we feel like we have a calling on our life. We all have a calling on our life. We all have, for a lack of a better word, a job to do in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. We have tasks that we can do. We all have talents, different talents. That's why Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 when he says, uh, you know, you have this gift, you have this gift, you have this talent, you have this talent, you know. And, and so everybody has different talents that they can use, but yet it's one body and we're to edify one another and, and build one another up using those, those talents. But there's people that sit in churches today that have never used their talents. They, you know, like you're, you're up on the stage every Sunday playing one of the guitars, either electric or acoustic. Of course, you're leading worship, playing the piano, and, and uh, you can play anything, but at church you play the piano and, and acoustic. Um, but there's people who have talents that never, that they're just like, because of fear. Mm. or th That's the biggest reason, is, is fear that holds us back. But we start making these excuses. Well, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I, I, I don't know, you know, how to do this. But yet, they do it all the time. The stuff that they do in their everyday life. That God has given everybody a passion, a hobby, what, however you want to word it. And all we have to do is, is take that, um, passion that we love so much and figure out a way to use it for the kingdom of God mm -hmm. and it becomes easy but fear it holds people back and we start making all these excuses as to why I can't do it and, and what we don't understand is that God's already equipped us with everything that we need to, to, to do his will mm -hmm. but we have to do it and, and, that, and that's what I see in, in John the Baptist, you got, you got this guy, he's left his mom and dad at a young age. He's a little wild. You know, the Chosen got it right, creepy John. The dude, the dude had to be creepy, he had to be just nasty. I mean, think about this, he's out in the wilderness. What, what did uh, um, Naaman, remember Naaman the leper? Mm -hmm. What did Naaman the leper say about the Jordan River? He got hot. When, when, that when, it was nasty. Yeah, yeah. Elijah said, hey, you go dip seven times in the Jordan River. He says, why can't I go out to the Parfar? And, and what's the other one? Do you remember the other one? Mm -mm. He, he names two or three different rivers. He says, these, these rivers, I think they're in Damascus. He said, they're, they're, they're a whole lot cleaner than the Jordan River. The Jordan River is nasty. Mm -hmm. So you got this man, not shaven, no deodorant. Mm -hmm. Wasn't a thing back then. Mm He's -hmm. dressed in camel's hair. Got this leather belt. He's in the Jordan River baptizing people. He's living in the wilderness, which it's like desert land. It'd be nasty, right? So he's dirty. Constant camping. Going, yeah, going, yeah. Just living out there in the wilderness. And his food is locust and wild honey. The poor guy didn't even get a salad. 
locusts and wild honey. He, you know, if he's not shaving, he's got this beard, you know, just scraggly old beard. And he's been baking in the hot sun out there in, you know, in the wilderness. You know, good mother, some grasshopper legs in his beard. There's some honey been dripping down into that nasty beard. Maybe, you know, like people do the dreads, you know, they take the honey and, and make the dreads. Maybe, maybe he's made a few dreads out of his beard, whatever, I don't know. You wouldn't think that, because it says that that passage talks about how all all the, the countryside came out of him. What, let me see, what, what does it say? The whole, verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to hear this guy. You know, so they, they, they get wind of what's going on, basically. This is, this is not common. There's some freak living out in the wilderness. He, 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 you know, creepy John. And, and his, they're drawn by the message. The kingdom of God is near. And he's saying, you've got to repent of your sins. And so people are, are drawn to that message, right? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't that they were drawn to John. Because, I mean, just realistically, who would be drawn to John? But they were drawn to God's message. And it goes back to what we talk about all the time, you know, especially in our prayer time, that God's word does not go forth void. God's word is powerful. Mm -hmm. So it, this is one thing I had to learn in ministry. Because I always thought that um, I was going to be just such this awesome preacher that people were just going to come by the groves and, and listen to me, me preach because I was just such a good preacher. And yes, churches did grow, but I had to be humbled a lot <laughs> because um, it didn't grow like, you know, I thought in my head that it would happen. You know, we'd sit and serve sometime and have 20 people. And I'm like, why are we not having visitors today? It makes no sense. And then it'd get depressing. But at the same time, God had to humble me and knock me off my high horse just a little bit. And that was early in ministry. And I would talk to people about it, and it's like, it, 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 it's not about you. It's not about the speaker. It's not about, you know, the music that's being sung. It's none of that. It, it's it's the message. It's not John. It's not the camel hair. It's not the locust and honey. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the message. Right. The word that's going out. Yeah, it's the power of the word. And what did Jesus say? It, unless, unless my father draws... How, how does that go? Unless, unless no one we, comes except that the Spirit draws. Draws them, yeah. And so, I just want to encourage people out there to take your passion and use it. And then you watch God work. You get, overcome your fear, step out in faith, share your passion, figure out a way to share Jesus in your passion, and watch God Take the power of his word and change people's lives. Mm. Yeah. Now, a good thing to mention too is that that passion is not does not always find its expression in the two hour service that we have on Sunday. Yeah. You know, because some people their passion may be hospitality or, you know, healing and they're visiting the sick. They're doing hospital visits throughout the week that may not have its expression on a Sunday morning or whenever you meet to, to fellowship with other believers. Um, not every gift will have its full expression 
in the in the congregation mm -hmm. on a Sunday morning. It doesn't have to be seen, right? Um, to to be valid, it doesn't have to be um, in the large congregation context for it to be used for the kingdom. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're coming up on the fall. Leaves are going to be falling. Go clean out somebody's gutters. You know, nobody will know that you did it. God will. Yeah. And was he, what did Jesus say? You do the, the Father is going to reward you for the things you do in secret. Mm -hmm. You're you're storing up treasures in heaven where it matters when we do stuff like that. Now, when you go clean out somebody's gutters or rake their yard, be sure to tell them why you're doing it. You know, you're there to because you love Jesus and you want to you know glorify Him and, and help those people in any way. But there, there's so much stuff that we can do, you know, for the kingdom. And it doesn't have, like you said, it doesn't have to be in that two-hour time limit uh, uh, in the church. So much stuff goes on behind the scenes that people don't even know about. Right. But my point is that God can use anybody if we would just let him. we got to let him. we got to be willing. Well, uh, Shelby, you brought up uh, the woman at the well in, in John chapter 4. Yeah. Um, that woman was just out there in the heat of the day because she's basically an outcast of her society. And um, she goes to the well to get water. And Jesus said, I love John 4, 4, the King James Version. He must needs go through Samaria. I love that. And um, because he, it was a divine appointment. You know, some, another thing we pray about all the time. Pray for a divine, divine appointments. And um, Jesus has a conversation with this woman. Tells her, hey, you're not even married to the guy you live with. He's, he's younger five. And you know, you're, you're out there with this thing. And she says, well, I perceive that you're a prophet. And he's like, you really knew I was. It'd blow your mind. Then he proceeds to tell her, right? And so she runs back to the village and tells the, some people that, hey, I think this is the Messiah. Come out here and meet this guy. And they do. And the next thing you know, the whole town comes out. Right. And, and, meets Jesus. and all she says is, come meet the man who told me everything I've ever done. Yeah, that's it. And... Oh God, unstop our mouths that we would say things like that. Can you come come meet this man who has changed my life? And and we all have a story. Anybody that's come to Christ, because what we say all the time that we're uh, how how do we put it? We're not messed up people. How, how do we put it? We say it all the time. Uh, not jacked up, messed up. What what's the, how do we word damaged goods? Damaged goods. Yeah, that's it. We're damaged broken vessels. <laughs> Yeah, these broken goods. <laughs> yeah, we're damaged goods. Everybody is damaged goods. We all have a past. We all, but but we've been redeemed. We've been washed in the blood of Christ. We we're, we're made whiter than snow. Our filthy rags were whiter than snow. And so we we have a past, and and God has brought us out of something. When He redeemed us, all we have to do is share what God has done for us. Mm -hmm. Hey, while we're raking leaves, while we're in the grocery store line, or whatever. You, you, you just, God, if we pray for opportunities, God will give them to us. But are we bold enough to pray for those opportunities? Mm -hmm. You think about Mary Magdalene. There's another one we, we uh, spoke about there. Mary Magdalene had demons cast out of her. She was the very first person to proclaim that Jesus was alive. Mm -hmm. uh, he has risen from the grave. And that was dangerous. I mean, why would God use a woman to do that? Because women's testimonies, you couldn't use a woman's testimony in court. They were not valid. But yet God uses a woman who had demons at one time. And in my opinion, 
That's why Peter and John run in, uh, to the tomb, and, and John stops at the tomb entrance. Peter runs inside, looking around, and in John 19, I believe, maybe it's John 20. That was John 20, and it says they saw and believed. And I don't think it was that they believed that Jesus was alive because they didn't understand it. I think that what John is saying is that they believe Mary's story. Because first of all, she's a woman. They wasn't going to believe her word, especially after she had demons. Mm -hmm. And so they ran and checked it out for themselves, and they saw and believed because the tomb was empty, just like Mary has said. So they believed her story. But God used Mary Magdalene to tell everybody, you know, hey, Jesus is alive. Like you said, he didn't use anyone. We, we rattled off several <laughs> earlier. Rahab. Rahab. He used the prostitute. He used the donkey. Yeah, he used the donkey and Balaam. Um, he used David. I, I love the fact that even in the Hall of Fame, right, the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, um, 10, a bunch of 10 11. Up right, I mean, there's a, a bunch of people with a whole bunch of issues that God uses, um, and he can use any one of us, and we can throw out all kinds of excuses. And disqualify ourselves all we want to, but he qualifies the unqualified. Yeah, exactly. And, and what blows my mind about Rahab? She lied. She just flat out lied. Right. But yet she's in the genealogy of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because God used her to, to usher the Messiah into the world. Right. Based on that. So, if he can use a donkey, he can use me. He can use you. Thanks for listening to the Grind It Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grind It Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.